Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Internet Error. It has been a little bit, I will tell you that. Uh, it's been like at least like a month since my last podcast. Um, and I didn't expect the podcast to be so popular. Thank you for 23 plays. I know that sounds like a very small number, but to me that means 23 people listen to it, and that just means a whole lot to me. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys like this episode. Um, in the spirit of Halloween, which is only a few days, we are going to be reading some of the most classic internet urban legends and creepypasta. So why don't you, you know, sit down by the fire, grab a nice cold drink, maybe some snacks, and uh, why don't you listen to our first tale of a smiling man. About five years ago, I lived downtown in a major city in the U.S. I've always been a night person, so I would often find myself bored after my roommate, who was decidedly not a night person, went to sleep. To pass the time, I used to go for on for long walks and spend the time thinking. I spent four years like that, walking alone at night, and I never once had a reason to feel afraid. I always used to joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite. But all that changed in just a few minutes of one evening. It was a Wednesday, somewhere between one or like two in the morning. I was walking near a police patrol park quite a ways from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, which was crazy. I had very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back into my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side, was the silhouette of a man dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to like a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you can say it was dance walking or headed straight for me deciding he was probably quite drunk. I stepped as close as I could to the road to give the majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer he got, the more I realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky and wore an old suit. He danced closer still until I could make out his face. His eyes were open wide and, and wild and his head tilted back slightly, looking off into the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off him across the empty street. As I reached the other side, I glanced back, and then I stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and was standing with one foot in the street perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looking skyward, smile still wide on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this. I started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I had put about a half a block between us, I turned away from him for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back to where he was standing, and I, he was gone. For the briefest of moments, I felt relieved until I noticed him 
he had crossed the street and now was slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadows, but I was certain he was facing me. I had looked away from him for no more than ten seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time, staring at him. And then he started moving towards me again. He looked, took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps, as if it was a cartoon character sneaking up on someone. Except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point that I ran away or pulled out my pepper spray or my cell phone or anything at all. But I, I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen, and this smiling man crept toward me. And then he stopped again. About a car length away from me, still smiling a smile, still looking at the sky. When I finally found my voice, I, I blurted out the first thing that came to mind. What I meant to ask was, What do you want? In an angry, commanding tone. What came out was a whimper. What? Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice, and that only made me more afraid. But he didn't react at all. He just stood there, smiling. And then, after what felt like forever, he turned around, very slowly started dance walking away. Just like that. Not wanting to turn my back to him again, I watched him go until he was far enough away to almost be out of sight. And, and then I realized something. He wasn't moving anymore, nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger. He was coming my way. And at this time he was running. I ran too. I ran until I was off into the side road and back onto a better lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me then, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder. Always expecting to see his stupid smile. But he was never there. I lived in that city for six months after the night, and I never went out for another walk. There was something about his face that, that always haunted me. He didn't look drunk. He didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that is a very, very scary thing to see. Wow, what a tale. I think what we learned from that was to not go on night walks with, uh, you know, mentally insane people. Okay, sorry for the bad jokes. Anyways, what I've noticed during this whole pandemic is that popular message boards, sites such as Discord and forums, are coming back. Now it's more Discord than forums, but how about we tune into a discussion on the Net Nostalgia forum and listen to this creepypasta called Candle Coat. Net Nostalgia Forum. Television. Local. User SkyShale033. Subject. Candle Cove Local Kids Show. Does anybody remember this kids show? It was called Candle Cove, and I must have been six or seven. I never found reference to it anywhere, so I think that it was on like a local station around 1971 or 1972. I lived in Ironton at the time. 
I don't remember which station, but I do remember it was on like a weird time, like at like 4 p.m. Mike Painter, 65, subject, re. Candle Cove, local kid show? It seems really familiar to me. I, I grew up outside of Ashland and was nine years old, 72. Candle Cove. Was it about pirates? I remember a pirate marionette at the mouth of the cave. Talking to this little girl. Sky Shell 33. Yes! Oh, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. I remember Pirate Percy. I was always kind of scared of him. He looked like he was built from parts of other dolls. Real low budget. His head was on an old porcelain baby doll. It looked like an antique that didn't belong on the body. I don't remember what station this was. I don't think it was WSF, though. Sharon, 2005. Sorry to resurrect this old thread, but I know exactly what show you mean. Sky Shale. I think the Candle Cove ran for only a couple months in 71, not 72. I was 12, and I watched it a few times with my brother. It was Channel 58, whatever station that was. My mom would let me switch it after the news. Let me see what I remember. It took place in Candle Cove, and it was about this little girl who imagined herself to be friends with pirates. The pirate ship was called the Laughing Stock, and Pirate Percy wasn't a very good pirate because he got scared too easily. There was music constantly playing. I don't remember the girl's name. Janice or Jade or something. I think it was Janice. Sky Shallow 33. Thank you, Jaren. Memories flooded back when you mentioned the laughing stock in Channel 58. I remember the bow of the ship was a wooden smiling face with the lower jaw submerged. It looked like it was swallowing the sea and it had that awful Edwin voice and laugh. I especially remember how jarring it was when they switched from the wooden plastic model to the foam puppet version of the head that talked. Mike Painter, 65. <laughs> I remember now, too. You remember this part, Sky Shell? You have to go inside. Sky Shell, 033. Ugh, Mike, I got a chill reading that. Yes, I remember. That's what the ship always told Percy when there was a spooky place he had to go in like a cave or a dark room where the treasure was, and the camera would push in on Laughingstock's face with each pause. You. Have. To. Go. In. Side. With his two eyes askew and that flopping foam jaw and the fishing line that opened and closed it. Oh, it just looks so cheap and awful. You guys remember the villain? He had this face that was just a handlebar mustache above. Really tall, narrow teeth. Kevin Hart. I honestly, honestly thought the villain was Pirate Percy. I was about five when the show was on Nightmare Fuel. Jaren, 2005. That wasn't the villain, the puppet with the mustache. That was the villain's sidekick, Horace Horrible. He had a monocle too, but it was on top of the mustache. I used to think that many only had one eye. But yeah, the villain was another marionette. The, the skin taker. I can't believe what they let us watch back then. Kevin Hart. Jesus H. Christ, the skin taker? What kind of kids show were we watching? I seriously could not look at that screen when the skin taker showed up. He just descended out of nowhere on his strings. Just a dirty skeleton wearing that brown top hat and cape. And his glass eyes were too big for his skull. Christ almighty. Sky Show 3-3. Wasn't his top hat and cloak all sewn up crazily? Was that supposed to be children's skin? Mike Painter, 65. Yeah, I, I think so. Remember his 
mouth didn't open and close, his jaw just slid back and forth. I remember the little girl said, why does your mouth move like that? And the skin taker didn't look at the girl, but at the camera and said, to grind your skin. Sky Show 033. I'm so relieved that other people remember this terrible show. I used to have this awful memory of a bad dream I had when the opening jingle ended. The show faded in from black and all the characters were there, but the camera was just cutting each face. And they were just screaming. And the puppets and the marionettes were flailing spatistically and just all screaming and screaming. And the girl was moaning and crying like she had been through hours of this. I woke up so many times from that nightmare. I used to wet the bed when I had it. Kevin Hart. I, I don't think that was a dream. I, I remember that. I remember that was an episode. Sky Show 33. No, 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 no. Not possible. There was no plot or anything. I mean, just literally standing in place, crying and screaming for the whole show. Kevin Hart. Maybe a mouth functioning, manufacturing the memory because you said that. But I swear to God, I remember seeing what you described. They, they just screamed. Jared, 2005. Oh, God, yes, the little girl, Janice. I remember seeing her shake and the skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth, his jaw careening so widely I thought it would come off his wire hinges. I turned it off, and that was the last time I watched. I ran to tell my brother, and we didn't have the courage to turn it back on. Mike Painter, 65. I visited my mom today at the nursing home. I asked her about it when I was little in the early 70s. When I was eight or nine, I, she remembered a kid's show, Candle Cove. She said she was surprised I could remember that, and I asked why. And she said, because I used to think that it was so strange that you said, I'm going to go watch Candle Cove now, Mom. And then you would tune the TV to static and just watch dead air for 30 minutes. You had a big emotion with your little pirate show. Wow, that's weird. I remember watching a show called Candle Cove, too. Anyways, our next story is about a mysterious being, creature, cryptoid? I don't know. How about we find out for ourselves in this story called The Rake? During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involving a strange, human-like creature sparked brief local media interest before an apparent blackout was enacted. Little or no information was left intact as most online and written accounts of the creature were mysteriously destroyed. Primarily focused in rural New York State and once found in Idaho, self-proclaimed witnesses told stories of their encounters with the creature of unknown origin. Emotions range from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. While their published versions are no longer on record, their memories remain powerful. Several of the involved parties began looking for answers that year. In early 2006, the collaboration and acclaimed nearly two dozen documents dating between the 12th century and present day, spanning four continents, 
I almost thought Casey's stories were identical. I've been in contact with a member of the group, and I was able to get some experts from their upcoming book and document. <coughs> a Suicide Note, 1964. As I prepare to take my life, I, I feel it necessary to assunge any guilt or pain I've introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. From once I awoke and felt this presence, and at once I awoke and saw his form. Once again I awoke and heard his voice, and I looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might aw next awake to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. I found in the same wanted box were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rosé, and one loose personal letter with no envelope. Dearest Lene, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. A journal entry, translated from Spanish, dated 1980. I have experienced the great terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand, I will not sleep. His voice, the next few texts were unintelligible. A mariner's log. Dated 1691. He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed I felt in sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again at the request of the rake. From a witness. Dated 2006. Three years ago I had just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We're all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids to right to bed and called it a night. About at 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the bathroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologized and told him I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly, his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for a half second, I was able to see what caused a strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or a large, hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural as it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked in the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, this creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, or probably closer to 5. It just seemed a while. Just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on its knee and ran into the hallway, leading to the kids' room. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got into the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. 
She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in a short life. She said, He is the rake. My husband drove his car into the lake that night. We're rushing our daughter to the hospital. They didn't survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel by my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of one or two more people in New York who had seen the creature we now refer to as the Rake. It took the four of us about two years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believed had been accounts of the Rake. None of them give any details, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages and never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances when the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This left us wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder in my bed and left it running, every night, all night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep by blurring through the recording at eight times on normal speed. This still took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I know now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason the voice of the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know in fear one night that I wake up to see him staring at me. And transcript. The person who wrote this, Nancy Clementine, was found missing five days after submitting this journal entry. final joke, I know. Anyways, I think that was the last of the stories for now. I will be recording more as we get closer and closer to Halloween. I hope you like these stories. If you have any stories that you would like me to read, please submit them. And I will say after Halloween is over, then we will return to our regularly scheduled internet drama legends and more. But for now, sleep tight. I'll look behind you. He knows you're there. This is Internet Era, and your host, Bray, signing off.